The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Sports Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericasports.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. The horses are at the gate. And they're off. Welcome to Winning Ponies. With a weekend coming up, this is the spot to be for news, handicapping, and spotlights featuring the winners behind horse racing today. Now, here's your host, John Engelhart, racing's regular guy. And good day, everyone. A gorgeous day here in the central part of the country. I hope it's nice wherever you are. Of course, we're we're over derby fever here, and uh, the results are in, and uh, Quite frankly, things look pretty good for things down there in, in Louisville. Uh, before we get to uh, the headline news, just kind of want to let you know that uh, later in the show, uh, we're going to uh, be blessed with Hall of Famer Chris McCarron. Of course, Chris heads up the North American Racing Academy, and uh, he's uh, going to tell us a little bit about the expansion of the school. The program has uh, taken on an, an expanded twist. Uh, also, we're going to talk about the Preakness Stakes, what it is like riding in the Preakness. Uh, Chris, of course, uh, has had two uh, Preakness winners, uh, Pine Bluff and Ali Sheba, and kind of the pressure associated with each. One race you're coming in off the Derby, and maybe you've seen the field and you haven't won it, but then you come in with the likes of a Gopher Jenner and Ali Sheba after winning the Derby, and, and what is that that pressure like uh, something that uh, Mario Gutierrez will find out here on Saturday, uh, and then after that we've got uh, from uh, Race Day Las Vegas and uh, the writer for the Las Vegas Sun, Ralph Siraco, uh a guy that uh, has his pulse on what's happening out in Vegas and what's happening in the world of racing. Obviously, does a daily racing sh- show and uh, one darn good handicapper to boot. Well, coming up. Uh, is the uh, Preakness Stakes at Pimlico on Saturday. Now, you want to get to a racetrack or an OTB parlor early because first post on Saturday is going to be 10.30 in the morning. And don't forget, on Friday, uh, they got quite a good card because they are also going to have the uh, Black-Eyed Susan and the Pimlico Special, a horse with a lot of of history. Uh, so it's going to kick off on Friday, early on Saturday. Great undercard. Uh, you got the Chick Lang Stakes, a hundred thousand dollar sprint uh, is going to be contested as the sixth race. Uh, the eighth race is the Maryland Sprint Handicap, another hundred grander. Uh, then you got the James Murphy Stakes, hundred grander on the grass, and I believe the weather report's pretty decent for Baltimore. Uh, then you have the Alaire Dupont Distaff Stakes, hundred thousand dollars, going a mile and a sixteenth. Uh, the eleventh race, a nice Grade Two, the Jaegermeister Dixie Stakes, brought together uh, some fine uh, handicap horses. And then the Preakness will be run as the 12th race. Uh, if you didn't get the, the rundown, as you know, the, the Preakness Stakes will have a field of 11 this year. There are no entries. Uh, Longshot Tiger Walk at 30-1 to 1, uh, drew the inside post. 
Number two, Teeth of the Dog. This will be interesting. It's uh, Michael Matz is calling one from off the bench. It's uh, one of his trainees that he's bringing in. Uh, this horse ran third in the wood, and uh, it had early speed in its races before that. And I wonder if they tried something different with this horse in the wood. It's 15-1 to 1 right now because I guess the big question, of course, that everybody's waiting all week long to find out whether or not Baffert was going to start Bodemeister. Of course, he is in the field. Uh, another inside long shot at 30-1 to 1 is Pretension. Coming off a win at Pimlico uh, in the Cannonero Stakes, uh, then you've got Zetterholm at twenty to one in from three straight wins at Aqueduct. Could it be a now horse? We'll find out. Dick Dutro trains twenty to one. Then a horse I think is going to get more backing than his odds, perhaps at six to one. Went the day well. Things did not go well in the Kentucky Derby. Uh, Johnny V in to ride this horse, of course, for Team Valor and Graham Motion of Animal Kingdom fame. Then another horse that should get some play that uh, was one of the many trouble horses in the Derby, Creative Cause at six to one. And then we have the now horse, Bodie Meister. The question is, did the curse of Apollo rear its ugly head in the Kentucky Derby? Of course, he looked so strong turning in the stretch. It looked like the second coming of Slew, and uh, he did back up to get caught by I'll have another. But again, so important, that foundation as a two-year-old, and to ask a horse to do what Bodie Meister's been asked to do, it's a lot. Now, on the other hand, Bob Baffert knows how to win uh, the Preakness Stakes, and uh, he's no dummy. I guess Bodie Meister looked really good at Churchill, was just uh, you know breezing over the mud in, in under a minute, and he liked what he saw, and he said, we're coming back. Of course, the Preakness being a shorter race uh, could well play into his hand very well. Mike Smith, Hall of Famer, will be back in the saddle. Then another horse with a jockey change. Julian Le Peru will be reunited with Daddy Knows Best. Now, Le Peru has been riding this horse since uh, he broke his maiden back at Saratoga last year, and then he rode him for every start, nine in a row, until the Kentucky Derby. Of course, he took the ill-fated Union Rags, who just had the trip from hell in the Derby. He's back with Daddy Knows Best. Uh, of course, he won the, uh, the Sunland Derby and the El Camino Real Derby, uh, prepping for the Kentucky Derby. So uh, Steve Asmussen, I asked the Frenchman to come back, and he's going to be in the saddle. They're at 12-1. to 1. Then a Derby winner that won't be favored, and that's happened a lot in the history of the Preakness. I'll have another who was just so impressive uh, with young Mario Gutierrez in the saddle for trainer Doug O'Neill. Uh, coming into this race now looking for his fourth Graded stakes win in a row. Pretty amazing to uh, win back-to-back grade one wins for young Mario Gutierrez. Five to two, I'll have another. It'll be interesting to see how he goes back and forth with Bodie Meister in the wagering. And then you have a horse who really is a long shot. Uh, everybody thought he'd be a stretch runner in the derby, but never fired. Optimizer uh, gets a new pilot, Corey Nakatani for trainer D. Wayne Lucas. And then on the outside, another 30-to-1 shot, Cazzetti, uh will 
round out the field. So that's a look at the field for the Preakness. Uh, pretty contentious. Of course, uh, I'll be breaking this race down with uh, Ralph Sirocco later in the show and going to try to get the uh, the insights of uh, Chris McCarron as far as uh, riding in the Preakness. As you know, uh, Derby winner, I'll have another. He pretty much got out of town pretty quick out of Louisville after the Derby. He wanted to acclimate himself to the Pimlico Strip. Really hasn't done all that much. Right now there's been a lot of Bailey who about uh, the shockwave therapy he had in California. Uh, it's the type of thing. It's a high-energy wave that increases pressure to a focal point. Uh, people use it for a tennis elbow and heel spurs. Uh, of course, if you have the treatment on a horse, the horse uh, can't have it within 10 days of a race. Uh, Doug O'Neill uh, indicated that there was not going to be any additional shockwave treatment uh, prior to the Preakness stakes. Um, and so basically, he's just been breezing from all reports. Uh, he looks really, really good uh, coming into this race. Uh, We have to once again go across the pond to just be truly amazed uh, by Black Caviar. Um, Black Caviar is just, uh, could be compared to Far Lap, uh, stretch the win streak to 21. But that might be it for Australia because it looks like uh, she's going to be coming over uh, to Europe and is going to run in the prestigious Royal Ascot meeting in England. Uh, where she's uh, going to meet a whole new cast of characters, uh, but we'll see just how brilliant she is. Uh, the trainer, Pete Moody, feels that it's time to take her out and take on the world. Uh, so that's, uh, you know, it's just going to be pretty amazing. It's going to be something to watch. We're going to have to keep our eye on the, the Royal Ascot meet. Uh, let's take a quick look at the races that uh, we handicapped last week. Of uh, most importance, of course, is the Peter Pan Stakes. And Mark Valeski uh, did not let us down uh, with Rosie Napravnik in the saddle. Uh, Mark Valeski just kind of uh, watched the field go, made the move when he had to. And Larry Jones, who is really on a run right now, uh, had Mark Valeski, the son of Proud Citizen, again, keeping up with the Joneses, Burton Jones and Larry Jones. Uh, he got the job done in the Peter Pan. Most probably, we will see him in the Belmont Stakes. Second was long shot right to vote. And the third horse, who quite frankly was putting in a very, very big rally, uh, was a horse by the name of Street Life, who's uh, trained by Chad Brown, uh, kind of flattened out in the Wood Memorial. For the first time, Street Life raced in blinkers and really rallied well. It'll be interesting to see how things uh, pan out uh, for the for the Belmont Stakes. Uh, certainly the Peter Pan has had a, an effect on the on the Belmont before. In Mammoth Park, well, a lot of jockeys and horses uh, avoided tragedy there. Uh, more than half the field did not finish on opening day um, in, th- in the decathlon. Uh, the, the winner was Ponzi Scheme, who's coming out of the Pete Isselin, uh, grade three at Monmouth Park. Very, very consistent horse, uh, recording his eighth lifetime win. Uh, second in that race was Common Dero, and third was Soaring Socks. Uh, then we went out uh, for the rematch race, the Las Barrera, as we pointed out uh, this was a very short field, but quite frankly, turned out to be a very, very uh, competitive race. Uh, the winner was the horse that Bob Baffert said, I'm going to keep to sprinting. Then he tried him in the one-mile northern spur. That didn't work out too well. So we brought him back in the seven-furlong Les Barrera Memorial. 
and got up by a half length over American Act. Now, Rafael Bayrano had been riding both of those horses, but he opted for Gunboat, who ended up finishing third in in that race. So those those are the races uh, that we that we looked at uh, last week. Uh, again, uh, we're. Uh, trying our best to get a hold of Chris McCarron. Hopefully we'll get Chris here in in just a minute. Um, today we uh, had uh, a little visit here in Cincinnati uh, from a couple Eclipse Award winners. It was quite the pleasure to welcome uh, Greg Charconian and uh, Tom Law. Now, uh, Greg and Tom, they teamed up to win the Eclipse Award last year for the Multimedia and Internet Award. Of course, Tom is also the editor of the Thoroughbred Times, and uh, just great guys to be around. Uh, Greg, of course, he's the, he's more of the cameraman, and Tom's more of the interviewer. And if uh, last week, of course, we had uh, Tom Lamar on from the Blood Horse, and um, next week Tom Law is going to be our handicapper from from the Thoroughbred Times. Um, they're putting a new segment together on the the website. Of course, we know so many things are getting steered more towards web than print these days. And it's called It's My Job. And they focused on uh, the round mound of sound, the mellow fellow, Pete Aiello, our track announcer here at River Downs and the track announcer at Hialeah. Uh, Pete, a very gregarious call, a young and talented up-and-coming uh, race caller. And so look for Pete to be on It's My Job. And if you want to check it out, they, they went there the first time they, they followed an Irish exercise uh, rider uh, down at Keeneland. And it's it's kind of a day in the life of, and of course these guys being being award winners, uh, we 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 pray that uh, that Pete's piece comes out just as good as as the piece on the uh, the exercise rider down at Keeneland again. So keep an eye out for that. I think it's going to take him a week or so to edit it. They shot about five hours of film and. Uh, We'll, uh, we'll see how it edits down to a 12 or 15 minute piece. But again, it was great seeing those guys, uh, at, at the races today. So uh, we want to remind everybody that, uh, coming up with, uh, with Ralph Sirocco, we're not only going to look at the, the Preakness stakes, but we're also going to look at the Pimlico special and the, the black eyed Susan. So we will take a little break right now and hopefully we'll be back with my friend Chris McCarran here on winningponies.com. Your internet flagship station for sports. Voice America Sports. And they're off! What? Can't make it to the track? You can still get all the action with winningponies.com, the home of the easy win form. The most accurate predictions on thoroughbreds, quarters, and Arabian horses at most American and Canadian tracks. Whether it be the Triple Crown, Breeders' Cup, Travers, Haskell, or your daily races, don't worry. Let winningponies.com make some money for you. 
When it comes to youth and high school football, listen each week to Coach Al Gross at First and Ten Football. Coach covers vital topics relating to the latest trend on a national level. Join Coach as he interviews personalities from the NFL, NCAA, and the top high school coaches from around the country. Catch all the interviews and get in-depth information online at www.firstand10football.com. Your national resource for youth and high school football. First and Ten Football airs Wednesdays at 1 p.m. Pacific, 4 p.m. Eastern on Voice America Sports. If you're looking for a radio show about boxing, you usually can't find one. Until you stop by the Voice America Sports Channel. Tune in to Outside the Ring with former world lightweight champion and U.S. Olympian David Diaz. We'll deliver the knockout punches with our guests as we go inside the minds of today's top fighters. We'll throw in discussion of other sports as well from time to time. Outside the Ring with David Diaz airs every Thursday at 3 p.m. Eastern Time noon pacific on the voice america sports channel your internet flagship station for sports voice america sports you're tuned in to winning ponies with your host john Engelhart. Got a tip for us? Need a tip from us? If you want to talk with John or his guests, the phone lines are now open toll-free at 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or you can send an email to show at winningponies.com. Now, back to Winning Ponies with John Engelhart. All right. Well, again, we're coming up on Preakness Week, and... uh, we're going to be zoning in on that today, uh, and if history's any indication, uh, I'll have another. We'll probably run just fine in the Preakness Stakes on Saturday, because uh, Kentucky Derbies uh, usually do. I mean, since uh, 2002, only two Derby winners have failed to hit the board in the Preakness. Uh, the ill-fated Barbara O'Cross, who broke down in 2006, and uh, Super Saver, who just kind of got a flat tire back in 2010, and he ended up running eighth. Let's go back and take a look at some of the other horses, though, that uh, came out of the Derby and and fared uh, pretty well in in the uh, Preakness Stakes. Uh, we'll go back to uh, 2000. Fuziachi Pegasus ran second, and of course he came back and ended up winning the Belmont Stakes. Monarchos not so well ran sixth in 2001, and then War Emblem looked to be a threat for the Triple Crown. Came back and won in 2002. And then all of a sudden it was that Belmont run. It was in 2003, Funnyside came back and was first. And in 2004, Smarty Jones also first. Uh, it was uh, 2005, Giacomo ended up running third. Of course, uh, then in 2007, Street Sense put in a big race and ended up running second. And then it was uh, back to another Triple crown threat as Big Brown took the Preakness in 2008. Uh, Mind That Bird ended up running second in the Preakness, a horse that they thought had no shot after his big long shot uh, win in the Derby. A lot of people discounting him. He came back and ran second. And uh, last year it was Animal Kingdom who came back and, and ran second. So uh, that's kind of a look at some of the, the, the horses in the history books there at the uh, at at the Preakness Stakes, a race that's been run uh, 137 times. Again, we'll uh, take a quick look at the field for this year. Uh, 
and uh, in just a little minute we're going to have uh, Ralph Sirocco on with us. And uh, again, thirty to one, number one, Tiger Walk. Uh, the two is Teeth of the Dog at fifteen to one. The three, Pretension at thirty to one. Number four, Zetter Home, twenty to one. Then Went the Day Well. The five horse will be at six to one. And the six creative cause at six to one, and then Bodemeister can he do it? Well, they obviously have a lot of confidence in him, and let's face it, I think well, we all know that uh, he's going to go to the front and play catch me if you can. Hopefully, Mike Smith's going to be able to ratchet his speed down uh, just just a little bit more. So uh, Bodemeister made the favorite at eight to five. Daddy knows best. Lay Peru back in the saddle is at twelve to one, and then I'll have another your Kentucky Derby winner at five to two, and then long shots on the outside, breaking from the ten hole optimizer at thirty to one, and Cosetti, of course, also at thirty to one. In the uh, the Black Eyed Susan uh, should be an interesting race. We're going to have a horse in there that uh, we had a guest on a couple weeks ago in lingerie. Uh, as we, you know, we were talking to uh, to Marty Grunder, and uh, Marty was telling us that uh, they, they opted to pass in the Kentucky Derby and uh, take on this race. Uh, they just thought that with her light seasoning, she only had three starts, that it might be a better place to go. Of course, Todd Pletcher uh, knows what to do with his steeds. So uh, in lingerie, again, we'll have uh, Johnny V back in the saddle. Uh, of course, comes into the race with a real solid 93. This horse was purchased privately after breaking its maiden at Turfway Park, uh, but was a big winner in, in the Bourbonette Oaks uh, and has been training very well at Belmont ever since uh, for Pletcher. Pletcher also has disposable ple- uh, pleasure in in the black-eyed Susan. And uh, this horse uh, won the Demoiselle last year. It hasn't done too much this year, but uh, again, she was nominated to Triple Crown. They they liked her that much. So it'll be interesting to see what the pleasure entry does in the Black-Eyed Susan. Well, uh, enough of my uh, pontificating on, on the big races that are going to come up this weekend. I believe that we have my friend Ralph Sirocco on the phone, so we'll take a, uh, let's uh, break to, to, to Ralph and, and get his read. First of all, uh, on the Kentucky Derby, and, and what he saw, again, for those of you, uh, Ralph Sirocco, he brings you daily race and sports programming from the gaming capital of the world, Las Vegas, Nevada. Uh, his programs are broadcast uh, live on AM 1400, KSHP in Las Vegas, and they're also streamed live on the Internet through WarpRadio.com. So from Race Day Las Vegas, Ralph Sirocco, Ralph, are you with me? Yeah, sure I am. Uh, you just uh, drug me out of my jacuzzi. Uh, I'm so sorry about that. I'm so sorry about that. But uh, we, uh, we're having some technical difficulties getting a hold of Chris McCarron. And I thought, well, let me get Ralph on. I mean, for a guy that does a daily radio show, he's always got something to talk about racing, uh, whether it's the derby, the preakness, or the sport in general. Well, uh, let's take a step back a couple of weeks. What was your read on the Kentucky Derby? Well, I thought the uh, horses from the West Coast obviously were prominent. There were a few horses in the race, as you always do, and you have a 20-horse field in the Derby that had some problems with the traffic that I guess you can give an excuse to. I thought the disappointments in the race were horses like Gemologist and Alpha, Union Rags with his horrendous trip. Uh, Creative Cause, I think, 
got in as much trouble uh, to uh, make up for the margin that he lost uh, the race in, so you got to take a look at him. And, uh, you know, went the day well, uh, was an eye-catcher, closing well. But, I mean, uh, the the I think most people came away from the Kentucky Derby with two impressions. One, the winner got a, a exceptionally... Uh, lucky and perfect trip, and two, uh, Bodie Meister ran uh, the eyeballs off of everybody, including himself. <laughs> yeah, no, no doubt about it. I mean, t- turned for home, Ralph. I-, I-, I thought we might be seeing the second coming of Seattle Slough. He-, he-, he looked that good, but he- I saw the fractions, and it's like, well, you know, Spendabuck did it, but Spendabuck did that with a much easier lead, and nobody was even challenging him, and he had enough distance between himself and the other horses uh, to, to hold it off, but i got to admit, Bodie Meister looked awful strong. I mean, do, do you think any of it was, was the, uh, the curse of Apollo, the fact that this horse didn't have perhaps enough foundation for a mile and a quarter, uh, not racing at two? No, not at all. I think, uh, you know, I would have said that without hesitation if... Um if it was anybody but Baffert. But Baffert, you know, when he puts his horses on the track, they're ready to go. There's no question about that. If they lose, it's because they either outrun or um, there's, uh, you know, uh, other factors of luck, etc. But when Baffert puts a horse out on the track, they're ready to run. I don't think it was uh, the fact that he didn't get any seasoning as a two-year-old. I, I really do think this horse is a cut of a special cloth. I had the same Seattle flu feeling uh, before the race, and, uh, you know, it justified it after the race. Um, uh, you know, I, I heard a term from a friend of mine the other day that I thought was so, um, was so, um, key that, uh, I've been using it ever since. It said, uh, Bodie Meister wound up in a one horse match race. <laughs> he, he was his own worst enemy, wasn't he? Yeah, but he's got such a high cruising speed. He wasn't doing it hard. He was doing it easy. Uh, you know, and, um, um, I, I just think that, uh, you know, the better horse, uh, that day with a perfect trip, uh, you know, wore him down. Nobody else was coming from behind. And, uh, I really do think we'll hear, uh, better things from him down the road. Yeah. I mean, last week I did, I, I read off, I read off the trouble lines and, uh, well over half the field had some kind of excuse. And then, of course, Jamologist, who was my pick, did, does find out that the, the horse did have a physical ailment as well as take charge Indy, who I thought was just maybe going to get another bow rail dream trip along the rail with no speed inside. But both of those horses are, are going to have to recuperate. So at least I had a legitimate excuse for Gemologist because I was scratching my head and then everybody else was. But nonetheless, uh, you know, we're, we're left with uh, I'll have another and, and Bodie Meister are going to be dueling it into uh, the, uh, the Preakness. And of course, there's always going to be horses that are laying in wait for for the Belmont, no matter what. Uh, what was your impression of uh, Doolahan's third place finish, rallying from thirteenth? Well, I, I thought it was admirable, and uh, you know, after the race, when you heard uh, what Kent Desermo had to say about the trip, where the horse was inhaling a lot of uh, sand and dirt and uh, wasn't getting a, a full uh, capacity of, of lung power, that when he swung him out to the outside to get him in the clear. And then two horses spun out in front of him. He had to go that further out in the middle of the track and, and did close well. You have to give him, um, you know, consideration, that's for sure. Dale Romans knows how to train a horse. We remember Shackelford. And, uh, yeah, I think uh, the Belmont, uh, with the breeding that he has, uh, could be right up his uh, alley. Uh, that's for sure. But, uh, you know, the Belmont is always the race where you... You know, you weed them out, and, and the breeding and the uh, class seems to uh, show through in the Belmont Stakes. 
Right. And speaking of that, I know, you know, part of your job is following the races every day is, is looking at the weekend stakes. How about the Peter Pan? Were you impressed with Mark Valeski? You know, uh, I thought Mark Valeski uh, really got a set up the way the race, uh, uh, you know, unfolded. There were two horses that went out there and really kind of cranked out there and uh, was sitting right behind them and uh, did what uh, did what a good horse does, picks them up and, uh, and wins. Uh, you know, it was a solid Peter Pan, but um, Mark Valeski's got to show me that he could do the same thing against really good horses. Well, you know, uh, yeah, we'll find out. Uh, just uh, Larry Jones seems to be in a little bit of a zone. I mean, I mean, he made a great choice, you know, placing the horse where he did. And uh, between the Philly, Believe You Can, and this horse, uh, they both really seem to be, you know, peaking right now. So it'll be uh, it'll be very interesting to see what, what what happens in the Belmont and how much you know Pimlico takes out takes out of the horse um well listen let's let's go let's get our teeth into the preakness we'll take a look at the field do you do you see any new players in there that can be a threat to the derby horses uh short answer no <laughs> really i don't you know there's always uh, like you know there's not a bernardini in this race there you know i mean uh, the the horses that um performed well in the derby for the most part are back except for dullahan and, uh, you know, uh, I don't see where Bo- Bodie Meister can't uh, get the lead if he wants it. I see I'll have another, uh, quite frankly, laying a lot closer to the pace than he did in the Derby. Uh, he won't need to have to work a, a trip from post-19. He's 10 stalls in now. He's, he'll break from post-9. He should get a, a good trip. The kid uh, is uh, wise beyond his years. And uh, I think Creative Cause is going to lay a little closer and finish a little better. And, and I think Went the Day Well will be finishing as well. Uh, I'm doing a Superfecta, so I'm going to, I'm using a Creative Cause, uh, Bodie Meister, and I'll have another on top. I'm going to come back with them with Went the Day Well in the two hole and the three hole. And then I'll put horses like Optimizer and Cosetti, which are the nine and the ten in the fourth hole, because you got horses like that that can suck up in the fourth and make the super happen. Uh, the only mystery horse that, that that I thought, and I don't think it's going to be on top, is is Teeth of the Dog, uh, who seemed to be flashing early speed uh, uh, earlier this year, and I didn't know if they tried some new kind of tactic uh, in the Wood Memorial by you know t- taking him off the pace a little bit. It wasn't a real big field or anything, but I mean just the fact that he's in the barn of Michael Matz makes me think he could be some kind of a threat, and you know some pretty decent odds to to, to run third or fourth. Well, you know, Michael Metz is not the type of, of trainer that's going to show up because he needs a box seat. So, uh, you know, you certainly uh, have to take a look at the horse. Uh, he, he's going to break from the rail. Now, the rail post isn't quite as bad in a uh, field of only 11 at Pimlico as it is in a field of 20 at uh, Churchill, but it's still not one of those uh, typical rail posts going a route that you'd like to have. And, um, you know, I... I don't know. I mean, he finished fourth in the Wood Memorial. As you say, Jamologist had an excuse. I mean, the horse, uh, Jamologist, uh, undefeated going into the Derby and, uh, and certainly had his excuses with injuring himself in the Derby. But Alpha didn't raise, uh, you know, Alpha didn't raise a gallop in the Derby. And, um, you know, I, I would be hard pressed to think who finished fourth in the Wood Memorial. So that race doesn't seem to me to be like any one of the power or key races you go by. But uh, as you say, at 30 to 1, and Kent DeSormo, who we all know made his early career in the uh, Maryland circuit, certainly at Pimlico, when he uh, was the nation's leading rider and certainly the, the uh, 
leading rider in Maryland for years, knows how to get around that racetrack, and Matt's knows how to train a horse, so why not? Absolutely. At, at those kind of odds, it, it can't hurt. Well, uh, I know now, I'm just trying to think. We're opening our gates at 9.30 here in, in, in Cincinnati. What, on a big day like this, uh, is, is the action like when you're three hours behind that? Are, are, are there players in there at, at 6.30, 7.30 in the morning? 7.30. They'll be there. <laughs> and what about, what about your show on that day? Will you be doing something special? No, um, we um, stay uh, at our t- same time slot because, uh, you know, folks can get us in, in many different ways. And uh, we, we keep the same time slot. It's kind of, uh, kind of nice, really, to be doing a show while some of the action is going on. You get to assess uh, how r- the racetrack's playing, how the weather's playing, the track's playing. Uh, when you're on the air and you have a couple of races that, uh, you know, actually unfold while you're on the air. Uh, but no, we don't change uh, our time slot for uh, the big races like that. We just go ahead and keep our same slot. Now, as far as crowds, I mean, you're out in Vegas. You get to see it. I mean, uh, obviously, you've worked at racetracks, too. You know that even the, the non-regular player, for whatever reason, on a Triple Crown race, they feel like, hey, it's best to be at a racetrack. It's best to see live racing. So we always see a swell. Uh, do you see that in simulcast facilities, too, during the Triple Crown? Yeah, here in Las Vegas, you know, I mean, we've always got that element of the casino and all these other things that are happening, the activity and the energy that's normally there anyhow, and then it heightens because uh, the race book area in the facility uh, has a lot more energy and a lot more attention drawn to it on a day like uh, the Derby and the Preakness. So, yeah, we'll get, uh, they'll uh, they'll be high energy there, that's for sure. And, uh, you know, that's one of the reasons why I don't take the, the, um, you know, the ratings uh, in particular cities for races like the Derby and the Preakness too seriously when they, you know, they give the share and the, and the rating points and all that because 90% of the people uh, like to go out, especially with horse racing, since it's, you can legally bet it, uh, unlike, you know, the Super Bowl or whatever where you're going to parties and everybody's got to bet on it, but you can't legally do it. But here you can, you know, you can legally bet it through simulcasting, the racetracks uh, themselves, uh, Internet wagering, iPhones, and uh, the race books. So um, with that element to it, you know, these places uh, are packed, and uh, there's a whole bunch of eyes on one TV set getting one-point rating instead of uh, what it truly is, you know. Good point, good point, though. I am, I am awful proud of little old Cincinnati because according to the ratings that came out, we were number two in the country, which isn't bad. It's nice to know that people around here are, are paying attention. But, uh, ladies and gentlemen, I'm talking uh, with uh, with Ralph Sorocco. Uh, he's a handicapper. Uh, he's a broadcaster. Uh, you, you can hear him on uh, race day Las Vegas. We're going to go to a little bit of a break here, and then we're going to come back. We're going to talk some horses, and then we're going to break down a couple of the big races with a long history to them on the Friday card at Pimlico prior to the Preakness. So once again, we're with Ralph Sirocco, and you're listening to winningponies.com. Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. Fantasy Sports is where the action really is. Over 40 million people play Fantasy Sports, but rarely do they get to quiz the experts. Fantasy Insights is the name and the game. 
Tune in every week as Dish Adams and his guests clue you in on the fantasy football game, what's happening on and off the field, and how it will affect your fantasy team. These experts aren't just beat writers assigned to fantasy football. They live and breathe the game. Tune in to Fantasy Insights with Dish Adams every Thursday afternoon at 2 p.m. Pacific, 5 p.m. Eastern on Voice America Sports. And they're off! What? Can't make it to the track? You can still get all the action with winningponies.com, the home of the easy win form, the most accurate predictions on thoroughbreds, quarters, and Arabian horses at most American and Canadian tracks. Whether it be the Triple Crown, Breeders' Cup, Travers, Pascal, or your daily races, don't worry, let winningponies.com make some money for you. Your internet flagship station for sports... Sports. You're tuned in to Winning Ponies with your host, John Engelhart. Got a tip for us? Need a tip from us? If you want to talk with John or his guests, the phone lines are now open toll free at 1 888 346 9144. That's 1 888 346 9144. Or you can send an email to show at winningponies.com. Now, back to Winning Ponies with John Engelhart. All right, and again, uh, with me, Ralph Sirocco from uh, Race Day Las Vegas and also Race Talk Las Vegas. Uh, Ralph, tell us a little bit about, uh, you, you know, a, a day in the life of Ralph Sirocco out there in Vegas, uh, how your day goes, and then uh, how you can be joined by, by listeners. You know, everybody thinks that when you live in Vegas, it's a glamorous life, but its uh, I feel like uh, the little guy behind the curtain in The Wizard of Oz. <laughs> yeah, it's very mundane. I get up at 5.30 in the morning. I, you know, do all the things we normally do in the morning. I check the uh, emails, and I check the Internet, and I have my coffee, and I sit out in the patio on mornings like this and putz around a little and get in the car, hit the post office box, check the mail there, go into the studio and get ready to do our broadcast. And then after that, you know, I'll run a few errands, stop at the book and play some races and be home, uh, you know, at dinner time. Oh, geez, I did thought it was more uh, more glamorous than that. Yeah. <laughs> As a matter of fact, you know, um, I hardly ever go to the Strip unless I have family or friends in town. Um, is right? It really is. It really is like uh, when I go to the Strip maybe 20 miles from my house, maybe 30 miles from the house, it's really like going, uh, you know, like somebody would if they just got off a plane uh, at uh, McCarran Airport and uh, went for a weekend. It's, uh, it's, uh, you put it in its place and everything is fine. And you know me, I, if they waited for me to put twenty dollars in the slot machine, it'd be a ghost town. I, I, I stick with uh, betting horses and legalized sports. Yeah, my mother always said stick to your knitting. And uh, any time that I've been out in Vegas, I've had a great time. Love, love the restaurant. I, I love the whole social ambiance of, of people from all over the world there. Uh, but basically, at the end of the day, you're going to find me in a race book. <laughs> yep, all, all the people I know from racing all migrate to the book. So whenever they say, yeah, here, I'm in town, I'm at Caesars, they say, well, I'll, I know where to find you. you know, all right. Well, uh, uh We'll uh, change your mundane uh, day and, and see how what your cup of coffee did today. I sent you a couple other races that are going to be on, on the Pimlico 
uh, card. Uh, looks like I got about five minutes to a break, and we did manage to uh, to find Chris McCarron. I don't know if he found his wallet yet, but uh, we found Chris McCarron. Um, let's start with the the, the black eyed Susan. Uh, we're talking the three year old Phillies here. A lot of these uh, Phillies meeting each other for for the first time, and I guess the mystery horse and from the loaded barn of Bob Baffert is Mama Kimbo, who you know comes out runs a her first race a twenty one and one forty three and three and wins by five with a one one buyer then comes back and wins a grade two is it her race to lose you know i I just don't know what it is about these racetracks but they just uh, you know they put up these uh, big races on these big days and and baffert just rolls in and with one of his horses and cranks along and takes them uh she just figures her her figures her speed figures uh, her connections not just she figures like the tower over these horses i mean uh, if she Likes the Pimlico racetrack anywhere like she liked Churchill Downs, where she fired off two bullet works in a row and didn't make the uh, Kentucky Oaks. But uh, now, you know, I mean, Baffert's got her all set and ready to to, to shoot a big one. That's for sure. Uh, so, you know, if they're going to give me that, I mean, if 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 they're going to give him that race and give me that race, I'll just key the horse in trifectas. And you know, I think Welcome Guest probably to me is the best of the rest of the horses there. And Ramon Dominguez obviously knows his way around that racetrack as well. So I'm going to do a four three and then uh, go four deep in the four hole, maybe with ten dollar trifectas. Take forty bucks and see if I can rattle home something that makes makes it makes it happen. You know. Well, I know. Uh, like I said uh, earlier, uh, I'll, I'll be rooting for this in lingerie. I've watched this horse since, since it broke its maiden, and then it won uh, uh, the, the Bourbonette across the river here. Now, uh, whether or not it's just a poly horse, we'll find out. But I mean, Empire Maker out of a storm cat mare. She's in the hands of Todd Pletcher right now, and uh, I think he made a wise move uh, passing the Oaks. Now, wasn't Baffert interested in running Mama Kimbo in the Oaks? Because I know that she's been uh, stable at Churchill and absolutely yeah. burning up the track. Yeah, something happened. Uh, she kind of stubbed a toe or something, so uh, they skipped that race, uh, the Kentucky Oaks. And quite frankly, uh, just like Todd Pletcher, I think it was a blessing in disguise. I think Mama Kim is a nice horse, and I think the way the race shapes up and, uh, you know, uh, her being on uh, a lead with, with enough speed to, to, to handle uh, early pressure, uh, that uh, the Black Eyed Susan is almost, uh, you know, uh, tailor-made for her. But uh, I think the Kentucky Oaks would have been more, maybe more than she can handle the way it uh, shaped up. Well, we will find out. Again, that's the Black Eyed Susan. That'll be run uh, on Friday at Pimlico. Also run as a 12th race, a uh, race with a lot of history. Uh, the Pimlico Special, we're talking War Admiral won it in 37, of course. In 1938, it was the Seabiscuit uh, match race with, with War Admiral. Uh, Whirl Away, Citation, in modern day times, you had uh, Cigar and Skip Away. So this has really produced some uh, good horses uh, for financial reasons, I believe. This race has been put on the shelf for a couple years, and now it's come back, and it looks like it's drawn a very competitive group of handicapped horses, Ralph. You know, I got to tell you, the uh, Oaklawn handicap at Oaklawn came up huge as far as the depth of competition, and this thing has done the same thing. I mean, they get kind of overshadowed because of the handicap division right now. You don't have game on dude running around there, but I, I got to tell you, this is a very deep and competitive field, and uh, if you rattle the, the numbers home in the right order, you're going to get rewarded for it. Well, you know, I think, you know, we've got, uh, you know, Co-favorites, I think, are four to one. Alternation and hymn book. Well, uh, Mission Impassable is at seven to two. Uh, you know, even even the uh, odds maker couldn't separate them. Yeah, no kidding. I, I got to tell you that um, uh, 
Uh, although I, I have a lot of respect for him, book and certainly Shug McGahey, uh, that was that was a nice uh, you know return race from from February to April in the Oaklawn Handicap. Uh, but I, I think uh, the race lies between uh, the winner of that race, Alternation, which has really come up to be one hell of a handicap horse, and Mission Impossible. I think uh, Todd Pletcher's got Mission Impossible running in the right direction as well. This horse is always, it seems like, in the number. He's been runner-up in his last three races. Uh, the Clark last year, the Don Handicap, and the uh, Nolens Handicap this year. I think he's ready to pop through. Well, yeah, Alternation is really, really, uh, you know, on a roll right now. Uh, hats off to Donnie Von Hemmel, who's got, got him sitting in a great spot. And like you said, this is just a, a great race, uh, very deep, and a lot of betting opportunities. I, I hope the, the folks out in Vegas uh, in, enjoy your analysis of, of the race on Race Day Las Vegas and Race Talk Las Vegas. And um, I hope all our fans from Winning Ponies, wherever they go, if it's a track or an OTV parlor, uh, will uh, enjoy it too. But as always, I enjoy uh, talking with Ralph Soracco, ladies and gentlemen. Again, you, you can get them on race day las vegas uh it, you don't have to be there it streams and uh, ralph uh, thanks again for for being on winning ponies uh yeah real quick uh you can catch us at our website too we not only archive but we do it live there on racedaylasvegas.com fantastic ladies and gentlemen ralph Sirocco, a great individual and a top handicapper coming up next we're going to be talking to hall of famer chris mccarran <laughs> Internet flagship station for sports. Voice America Sports. And they're off. What? Can't make it to the track? You can still get all the action with winningponies.com, the home of the easy win form. The most accurate predictions on thoroughbreds, quarters, and Arabian horses at most American and Canadian tracks. Whether it be the Triple Crown, Breeders' Cup, Travers, Haskell, or your daily races, don't worry. Let winningponies.com make some money for you. Are you a real sports fan? Get ready to talk football and anything else sports with Kwame Lasseter, formerly with the Arizona Cardinals, San Diego Chargers, and St. Louis Rams. Kwame's got the experience, so he's prepared to talk sports with you every week on Kwame Lasseter's Sports Talk. It's on the Voice America Sports Network every Tuesday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time, noon Eastern Time. Get ready for unpredictable fun and sometimes a sarcastic look at the world of sports. That's Kwame Lasseter's Sports Talk on the Voice America Sports Network. Your internet flagship station for sports. Voice America Sports. You're tuned in to Winning Ponies with your host, John Engelhart. Got a tip for us? Need a tip from us? If you want to talk with John or his guests, the phone lines are now open toll-free at 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or you can send an email to show at winningponies.com. Now, back to Winning Ponies with John Engelhart. All right, and with me now, uh, a good man that I've had a chance to actually say i become friends with over the past couple of years because he moved kind of into my neck of the woods. Uh, he's Hall of Famer Chris McCarron. We're tra- talking Triple Crown, and he's a guy that has won every single one of the Triple Crown races. As you know, uh, years ago, he migrated to the Bluegrass Stakes, and uh, 
state, rather, and then uh, took up uh, heading up the North American Racing Academy. And I want to welcome to the show the one, the only Chris McCarron. Chris, you're an awful busy man tonight. I understand. Yeah, how you doing? Just, yeah, we just uh, we just got back to our classroom over here at the Thoroughbred Center in Lexington. We had a, we brought a couple of exercises downtown Lexington to an event called Thursday Night Live, which is always a blast. But we took these exercises downtown to promote uh, the High Hope Steeplechase, which we're having on Sunday mo- uh, Sunday afternoon at the Horse Park, which is uh, it's always a blast. And uh, I got four graduates that are going to uh, get out there and try to outride me and Remy Belloc. So it's well, going to be a blast. I, I'm, sh- I'm sure it will be. Now, this is uh, kind of like a, an amateur race that they run in between the High Hope races? That's correct. They run, they'll run, we'll have uh, three steeplechase races on the day, and then at 4 o'clock, my students and I and Remy are going to get out there on the course, and we'll race about seven furlongs around that beautiful tur- mile turf course that they have there. And then they have one race after that featuring... Uh, a bunch of ladies who live here in Lexington. It's called the Ladies Sports. It's called the Ladies Sportswomen's Challenge. But it's a great day. We get out there. There'll be about ten, twelve thousand people out there. We raise money for various charities in the area that are related to the equine industry. You're a good man, Chris McCarron. And on that note, before I get into the expansion of the North American Racing Academy, I just want to share a story with you. Uh, as you know, you probably heard about a local jockey that got wiped out on the highway at 65 miles per hour, the one, the only 57-year-old scootin' boot Perry Oots, who not only tucked and rolled his way uh, to safety, but uh, came back here and rode both ends of the Daily Double like two hours after that event. And uh, I walked in, and you know, we have a, an award here. It's called AJ's Roadhouse uh, Horseman of the Week, $50 gift certificate, so he can go down, he and his family get something to eat. And so I gave it to him. He goes, man, he said, the coolest thing happened to me today. I said, what's that? He said, I got a call from Chris McCarron. I said, Really? He said, yeah, from out of nowhere, Chris McCarron calls me and just told me that I was one of the most dedicated riders he's ever seen, and he just wanted to recognize that fact. That was that was great of you to do that, Chris. Oh, John, it was easy to do because, uh, you know, I've, I've watched Perry over the years, and he reminds me of Russell Bays and Lafitte Pinkai. I mean, you know, Perry has not been blessed with the opportunities to ride the kind of horses that either Lafitte or Russell have been uh, given opportunities to ride. Thank you, Francois. I'm sorry, John. I'm just saying goodnight to somebody. But uh, Perry is cut from the same cloth. He's, he's, uh, he's out of the same mold. He has, he's got nothing but dedication running through his veins, his perseverance, and, and, uh, and, and stick-to-it attitude his whole career has been something that I've admired for a long time. Someone who's 57 years old, like I am, and still going out there and riding as hard as he possibly can every single time he throws a leg over a horse's back is just mind-boggling. Most of the time, when riders like myself get a little long in the tooth, as they say, which means we're getting a little older, uh, you know, we start riding a little bit cautious. You know, you, you take the married man's route, so to speak. You know, you're not too keen on trying to get through on the inside anymore, and you're a little bit more careful because it, the ground hurts as you get older. You know, when you hit that <laughs> ground going 40 miles an hour, John, it, it hurts a little bit more. But uh, not with this guy, not with Perry. And to, to the most incredible 
example of that is him hitting the asphalt, the asphalt at 65 miles an hour off a motorcycle, gets up, brushes himself off, gets home, changes clothes, and goes to River Downs and wins the first two races on the card. He rode the whole card. Is mind-boggling to me. <laughs> it really is. Well, I, I just have to tell you this on a personal note. It was mind-boggling for him that you went out of your way to, to recognize that fact and give him a call. And I can tell you that it really was heartfelt, and it meant an awful lot to Perry. Well, uh, you know, I, I didn't... Uh... I wasn't I wasn't calling him to make him feel any better. I was just calling him to say that uh I was incredibly impressed yet again with with uh with the way he has conducted himself and and um and then he it's funny. The next day, John, he misdialed. He he called me, but he was he thought he was calling somebody else and uh he goes, "Oh, I'm sorry, I got the wrong number." I said, "Hey, Perry, it's it's Chris McCarron." He goes, "Oh, Chris, I'm sorry. I'm sorry." So while I had him on the phone, I had a captive audience, so to speak, or captured audience, I I guess you would say. I asked him if he would come down sometime and speak to my students here at school because, you know, he would be an incredible inspiration, not just for my students, but for me as well. Don't tell Uh, me he said yes. Yeah, he did. He He doesn't speak, Chris. You, You pulled off a coup. Well, he did say, well, Chris, you know, I'm riding both River, Indiana Downs, and Beulah. I'm riding all over the place. You know, he said, I don't think I really have any time right now because I'm riding about seven days a week. I said, oh, don't worry about it, Perry. It wouldn't happen until, like, probably September, October. Oh, sure, sure, September, October. So you might be right. He might be trying to say, okay, well, i got a lot of time to tell him no. <laughs> All right. Well, listen, I need, to, I need to steer this in two directions right now because I'm up, up to, uh, to about four or five minutes on the rest of the show. Um, I want to talk uh, just uh, briefly about the Preakness Stakes since we're coming up on it. And uh, from your perspective, because you've been in both saddles, um, is, the, is the heat off as, as the second jewel of the Triple Crown comes on because you kind of know who the contenders are from the Derby trip and maybe there's some guys that are just taking a shot? Or what's the heat like when you come into the race on an Ali Sheba or a Gopher Gin and the world's breathing down your Triple Crown shoulder? Or an I'll have another, right? Um, yeah, yeah. It's uh, the heat is definitely not off. I mean, when you when you go into the Preakness, having ridden with the, the Derby winner two weeks before, uh, the heat is definitely not off. It, it's it's probably even higher. It's hotter, you know. Uh, but it's it's incredibly exciting nonetheless. And I got to share with you, John, that I I liked I'll have another in the in the Derby as far as him being competitive. But I bet against him because of his rider. I didn't think that Mari Gutierrez would be able to pull off the kind of ride that he did, and I was incredibly impressed with how beautifully he got that culture on the track. I expected the exact opposite. He broke from the 19-hole, and I thought he was going to be about seven deep going around the first turn. And this kid was able to just ease him back off the leaders, tuck him in. He was no more than three deep around the first turn, two deep turning down the backside. He saved all the ground in the world. And he put him in the clear when he needed to, and he came with a run. And I was really impressed with, with his uh, with his ride. The reason I didn't like him going in was because he didn't ride a good race in the Santa Anita Derby, John. He had creative cause trapped around the turn from the 3-8 pole to the 5-16 pole and coming to the quarter pole. And, you know, he allowed, I'll have another one, move out a little bit, which gave Joel Rosario an opportunity to move creative cause out, and they both ran to the wire together. Well, it shouldn't have been that close. I think I'll have another one in spite of 
Mario's ride in the San Anita Derby. But he came back and and uh, it didn't really have to uh, make amends or anything because they won. But he came back and rode a stellar race in the Kentucky Derby. So the heat's on him this weekend, no question. All right, well, listen, Chris, I, I've got uh, just two minutes left before I have to leave. And uh, I have been reading recently that the North American Racing Academy is kind of expanding their program a little bit. Could you, in a condensed fashion, kind of tell us how the program's opening up? Well, we actually started the expansion a couple of years ago. This will be this coming fall will be the third year we've offered a horseman's pathway, John, where we're um, enrolling students that really don't have any intention to ride races or have uh, have no desire or are too big, and they want to get involved with working around thoroughbreds in a different capacity, whether it be working at a farm somewhere. Uh, at a breeding operation or at the racetrack. And what we're doing is offering them opportunities to learn as much as they can in a two-year period and then go on and get a decent job in the industry in some capacity other than being an exercise rider or jockey. Well, I think it's great. And, again, we'll, uh, it, because this show goes worldwide, would they go to a website to, to contact you? Yes, absolutely. As a matter of fact, if you go on, a, on our Facebook page, I recently have uploaded a lot of photos and some videos and stuff of things that have been going on at our school. Uh, so if you go to North American Racing Academy on Facebook, you can find us there. Or um, if you go to Bluegrass Community Technical College and, um, and just click on different programs and you'll find our school there as well. Great. Well, Chris, thanks so much for, for taking time out of your busy day. I, I greatly appreciate it, and I look forward to talking to you again in the future. John, it's always a pleasure, and I really appreciate you asking me on. It's always fun. All right, Chris McCarran, ladies and gentlemen. Well, that's it for another Winning Ponies. The Preakness is what's happening. We hope we put you on some winners, and if we didn't, go to winningponies.com because all of the tools that you can get from them will bring you home some prices in the Black Eyed Susan the run for the black-eyed Susan, the Preakness Stakes. So for winningponies.com, I'm John Engelhardt, overlooking the Ohio River to the hills of Kentucky. Remember, bet with your head, not over it. Thanks for listening to Winning Ponies with John Engelhart. We know the information from today's show will help you at the next post. Keep listening for more next Thursday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 5 p.m. Pacific, on the Voice America Sports Network.